Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hi, welcome back to the Business of Learning. I'm Michelle Eggleston Schwartz, Editor in Chief at Training Industry. And I'm Sarah Gallo, a Senior Editor. Today's episode of the Business of Learning is brought to you by Training Industry Research. As a training professional, your job is to effectively manage the business of learning. You probably listen to this podcast to gain insights on L&D trends being used by some of the most innovative thought leaders in our market. But did you know that training industry also provides data-driven analysis and best practices through our premium research reports? Our entire catalog, including reports on topics such as deconstructing 70-2010, women's access to leadership development, learner preferences, and the state of the training market, just to name a few, can be found at trainingindustry.com slash shop research. New insights create new ways for L&D to do business. Let training industry research reports assist you in taking your learning initiatives to new heights. Go to trainingindustry.com slash shop research to view our entire catalog. Today, the skills that employees need to be successful in a given job role are by no means static. They're constantly evolving alongside business needs and market shifts many of which are fueled by advancements in technologies, most recently in artificial intelligence. This has led to what's called the skills-based organization, a business model that considers job roles in terms of the skills that employees need to execute key tasks and activities through a process called skills mapping. To learn more about skills mapping and how to ensure that all employees and leaders have the skills needed to support the business, we're speaking with Rose Cartulari, founder and CEO of RC Consulting, and Lisa Paulson, L&D manager at Nesna Ventures. Rose and Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, hello. Hi, thank you for having us. Yes, welcome. I'm very excited for this conversation today. Um, To get started, can you both share how you define skills mapping? Uh, Skills mapping is really just mapping out the skills, knowledge, and abilities in each role that is needed for that person to be successful in their role, but also how they can be successful for the organization. It has to bring value to the organization. Yeah, I wouldn't add much to that, except that it sounds deceptively simple. Um, (laughs) And so a lot of people kind of nod their heads and say, yeah, we got that. The problem is, you know, identifying some skills that we don't know we have, and then more importantly, thinking about what are the skills that we're going to need for the future? And, and, and is that a skill or is that a, is that a, just a personality? And how do I tell the difference? How do I assess it? So that's, that's the tricky part, right, Lisa? Definitely. It's, it is quite a process once you begin and it can take a long time to make sure that, that it aligns with everything within the organization. Yeah, absolutely. The future goals and future objectives. For sure. I love how you phrase that, Rose, as it's deceptively simple. <laughs> and now that we've kind of touched on the what there, what is skills mapping, I kind of want to dig into the how, um, because this isn't easy. Like you said, do you have any best practices on how our listeners can actually go about this process and really determine those skills that are needed for a given job role? I I guess I'll just jump in right here. Um, There are some best practices. It's kind of evolving because I think, as I said, you know, we know what skills help us get here. Um, 
but there's not always clarity on what are those skills that we need moving forward. So what I have seen in the marketplace is the skills, the best practices involve having a real 360 view. So it's understanding what are the skills that help me perform well today, but from my, from a 360 perspective, from the, from the person who's actually doing the work to the people who are using the work, supervising the work, and will actually then have to deal with the outcome of the work. So it's a real sort of broad um, stakeholder view of that. Then it's also important to understand, well, what are my assessment criteria, right? Is this, is this, true if I change the situation? Is it true if I change the person? If I Is it true if the market changes, if the market grows? And so all of this is really all about aligning that, as Lisa said earlier, to what are your business objectives? What is it that you want to reach? And again, as we said before, the trick is we don't always know what that is because all kinds of changes are coming our way. So how do I build that flexibility into my skill identification, assessment, planning. And so all best practices that I've seen, and I don't know, Lisa, if this is, I, I assume this is consistent with what you're seeing as well, is that it has to be flexible and enough and um, sort of wide enough that we're getting multiple perspectives. Exactly. I, I totally agree with you on that, Rose. We do need to make sure that we're talking to many people. And one of the best practices that I would say too would be to do your research before you start talking to those experts. Really, you know, get yourself into what that role is and how it affects business, how it brings value to the business, so that when you're discussing that with them, you really have an understanding of the terminology that they're using because we all have our jargon within our different departments and you want to be able to understand that as well. It helps to have the conversation with them. They're able to, to contribute more if you come with something already kind of on paper, because then they can either say, Oh yes, you're on the right track. Or they can say, Oh no, that's not it at all. Yeah. I was going to say, Lee, so you, you're making me think of, so putting it down on paper makes you put it down uh, very um, carefully, right? And to be very accurate in what it is that you're asking. But the other thing it does is it also brings out your biases in black and white, right? So that when people are reacting to it, what they're also reacting to is a specific point of view or a specific um, a specific business need or whatever those things that we don't see. So I, I think I think that's right on the mark. And I think this is where... Um, a lot of HR departments, but a lot of leaders I see fall down is that that discipline of not kind of like winging it, you know, just kind of going for it, but actually the discipline of doing your research. What is what are other companies doing? Um, what are companies that that are ahead of me doing? What are my competitors that are ahead of me doing? And writing that down, because otherwise it's just, as we say in Italy, fried air, right? Just everybody speaking. Definitely. I I would totally agree with that. I love those points. Um, L&D leaders really need to do the research, put it on paper, really be strategic in having those conversations with stakeholders and making sure they're aligned and on the same page. Um, So going into those conversations, being prepared for that. I love that. Um, 
I would really love to hear um, both of you um, share your own experiences with skills mapping or maybe facilitating skills development um, in your career and experience. We just launched our program uh, for skills mapping this year at our organization, and uh, we call the tool that we developed for this a roll card. It's a one-page overview for employees and their managers to be able to use to help them in um, creating value for themselves and for the organization. It shows transparency on those competencies that that you need for that role. It's it's based on the role and not the person who's currently in the role, which is something that Rose had talked about earlier. We really need to make sure that uh, we are looking at the role itself and not the person who's currently in it. And then it also maps out what the possible um next steps in the career could be and what you would need to have to for competencies or behaviors to be able to go to that next level. It's really helped us to not only start our skill assessments, but also it's we've been able to incorporate it into other programs such as succession planning, uh, recruitment. Our recruiters have taken those competencies and skills and used them to help create their scripts for interviews. So we've been able to apply it in all different areas. It's really helped employees see what, what they can do for themselves, and it helps them to start that conversation with their supervisor as well, to be able to improve in those areas and what they would need to do to improve. Yeah, what Lisa says completely resonates with me in terms of understanding what is required for a role rather than is expert, you know, is Susie doing it or is Jack doing it the way we need to do? And that's a, that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, and And of course, the big challenge when you're looking at a role is, is the more technical your job is, the more part of a larger process it is, the easier it is to define. I wanted to, um, you made me think of this example. I, I tend to work with, um, you know, very senior leaders. So these are people who kind of feel like I've arrived. And of course they have, you know, they were smarter and they got promoted and all of these things. So we don't tend to think of, oh my goodness, perhaps my role is changing. And so therefore the skills that I need are changing. So even this idea of skills mapping is actually new when you get to certain levels of leadership. And the example that I was thinking the other day is one of the things that HR brought forward from a survey was the skills leaders need today as we're going to this hybrid work, right? When we were all at home and everybody was there, we kind of like all survived and we did the best we could. But now we're going into this permanent model of, we're kind of at home, we're kind of uh, in the office, but how do you manage people? And specifically the young generation, we have an, uh, an organization that I'm working with, they have a huge retention problems because all the new entries, so kids who've never worked in offices before are really, um, I think languishing was the word, uh, I read in like the Atlantic or somewhere, but these, you know, they're not getting the leadership, the vision, the understanding how they fit in, how their work fit in. So they're quitting jobs and they're immensely unhappy and a lot of sort of mental health issues, depression. 
And leaders are going, but that's not my job. My job is to get this done. So it comes back to what Lisa was saying is, as your roles change, you first have to identify that there's a change. And then you have to say, so now what do I need to do? So people who are trained to do one thing are finding themselves in roles where they're asked to do something else. And so that's a huge disconnect. So this is one of the problems that I'm seeing happen. I mean, we're talking about this hybrid as one way, but this is a problem that keeps coming up is this constant evolution of roles, constant evolution of skills, requirements. I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry, but it's just been on my on my table a lot these days. Well, and like you said, the disconnect, especially when we have uh, someone who is a wonderful uh, driven expert, and then they get promoted to be that people leader. It is quite that transition and being able to outline what it is those skills would be would better help them to prepare for that role and understand that role better. And that's what we're really hoping that our program is going to do. I want to kind of touch on what you were saying, Rose, about, you know, it, it can be hard for people to understand how their role really does contribute to the bottom line. And, and and not only that, but more importantly, the business's vision and mission. Um, do you have any recommendations on how to kind of connect skills to where an employee fits in achieving a, a business's mission and goals? Kind of how can you help employees see see their, their value and, and kind of position in the business in that way? So I am a big believer that people, that we need to empower people. And actually, I'm not a big hierarchical person. I think leadership is important, but I think part of leadership or one of the most important aspects of leadership is listening. So I think a lot of times people themselves can tell you how they fit in and they can, how they add, how they contribute, how they uh, change, how they modify, how they impact the business vision. So I think the biggest key to this is this constant um 360, again, I keep insisting on the 360 conversations. We can no longer live in these, you know, huge vertical organizations. Um, and then putting processes in place to make sure that there's constant feedback loops. Okay. So one of the things that we are doing at Nesna is making sure that with these these roll cards and the skills assessments and mapping that we're doing is that they are lined up with the organization's goals for the future. You really have to look at the strategy for each company and what their, their end goal is. One of the examples that I use is uh, we have one objective that is about being data centric. Well, how do we get to be data centric and where does that begin? That skill, the start or spark of that skill should come with the entry level employee and build and build and build as as you go into the organization more and depending upon the role of the person, somebody in accounting is probably going to be a lot a lot more uh, trained in analytics and data and those things, but we need to make sure everybody is so that everybody can understand all of the business reports and really understand the ROI of what they're doing so that they see their value. You know, this is where leadership is also changing, right? And this is where the way we work is actually changing. When we talk about the future work, it's not just about 
hybrid in the, you know, in the office at home. It's also the nature of how we interact together. And so when when you're no longer the owner of all the technical expertise, you have to rely on people that know more than you or know different things than you. And so this this whole thing that you were saying of what am I saying consistently? What is the message I'm saying consistently? How am I measuring that it's done? How am I involving everybody? And all the things that we talked about earlier become very key to making sure that the process works. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. The Certified Professional and Training Management Credential, or CPTM, was designed to convey the essential competencies you need to manage a training organization. When you become a CPTM, you gain access to alumni resources like monthly peer roundtables and a full registration to the Training Industry Conference and Expo. If you start today, you can earn the CPTM credential in as little as two months. To learn more, visit cptm.trainingindustry.com. I'd like to circle back um, to a point you made, Rose, um, around the way we work is changing. And that includes leadership development. The role of the leader is constantly evolving, as we know, with the pace of change accelerating. So I'd really like to um, focus on and hear what you um, both think in terms of what role do leaders play in their team's team members' skills development today? What does that look like? That is a really important role. It's one of the most important roles other than the person themselves. Having that support and that encouragement can really transform a person and empower them to really search for what it is that they want, especially if they don't know what that is right now, and help them explore those areas where there may be an interest or a spark. Yeah. I mean, look, our world has changed so much, right? Um, We've gone from an environment where the person who got promoted, right? You were smart. You did your work. You did it well. You knew more than everybody. So you got promoted. But now the people who, and so therefore you're the smartest person in the room. Now (laughs) the leader is no longer the smartest person in the room. You've got maybe some young kid or somebody from a different country or different functional skills coming in who knows more and who can solve your problems. And better yet, solve the problems you don't know yet that you have, right? So what does that mean? That means a role of leader of the leader is no longer being the smartest person in the room and telling everybody what to do, command and control, as we used to say, but it's a person who has the skills now to motivate, to inspire, but most important, to mobilize all of these different skills around a common vision, around that business objective, whether it's a market objective, a customer objective, whatever it is. So there's a shifting set of skills. And the problem is these new skills that we're looking at, we're not great at measuring. We're not even great in many organizations and many industries to even give them value because they're soft skills, right? So if you're in a, I work with a lot of people in the finance industry, in, in, um, in the sciences, right? They like the facts, the data, like what are we doing? What are my deliverables? So it's really hard to now change that mindset to say, no, performance is much more than solving today's problem. It's about retention. It's about long-term ROI. It's about sustainability, creating a future that's not here today that you don't even know what it's like. 
you definitely touched on some of those skills, Rose. You touched on motivation. Leaders need to inspire. I'd love to hear, um, are there any other skills that leaders need today in order to support the growth and development of their employees? And how can they develop them as leaders? Coaching skills, I think, is is the one that really comes to the top of my mind. Being able to coach, because like Rose said, you're not the smartest person in the room anymore, but how can you help bring out things that that are hidden within your employees and help them solve problems? Coaching skills, being able to ask the right questions and listen and not give any any input to that is is a skill that a lot of people don't understand. And it's, again, one of those skills that can't be measured. It's one of those soft skills, but yet it is so important as being a leader or even just being a team member. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely, Linda. To those, I would add a couple other skills. I think part of coaching, you talked about listening. I think listening is a key skill but listening means something different today because in a world where no one expert person can be expert of all the stuff that's going on in the world today, you need to be listen, be able to listen even to those weak signals in the market, um, to, to all kinds of weird sources of information, um, people that you don't agree with. Um, I had a client, you know, they were leaders in their market. I, I won't get into details, otherwise you'll know who the client is, but they were leaders in their market and their engineers said, no, ours is the best product. And they actually were. Today, they're, well, they're doing something else, but they're, their market has been completely overtaken because a small little company started to do different things to the product. And so now the product has completely changed and they missed the boat. So this ability to hear voices that are not like yours, that are bringing different ideas, um, and then the third thing I would add to the other third skill that I think is really important is sense-making, that ability to hear a huge range of data input and be able to make sense quickly in a way and, and communicate that in a way that makes sense to people and they know what they need to do to mobilize themselves and their teams and then be able to do it again when the, when the input changes again. Yeah, because we know it will change. <laughs> I want to touch on kind of another aspect here, which is how to identify the skills that learning leaders themselves, you know, our listeners need to take the next step in their careers. What tips do you have for kind of identifying your own skills? So for me, I think, I think a lot of people in learning and development have been traditionally placed in a, in a little part of the organization and expected to sort of wave some sort of magic wand and make things happen for everybody else. I think moving on out, we're going to see a lot of learning and development folks um, having business skills. Um, and I think we're going to see, you know, Lisa, you talked about coaching earlier. I think we're going to see emerging. I, I'm actually already seeing a lot of this emerging of business skills with sort of the, the skills related to how do people learn, how do people grow, how do people um, per grow personally as well? And I think moving on out, that is a single most important sort of mindset change. And then, of course, learning to use the technology um, to, to get rid of some of the work that, that, you know, that's difficult or that could be biased. 
so that you can focus on these bigger shift changes, I think are going to be the two trends that we see for learning, uh, learning development folks. I completely agree with those two rows. One thing that I would add is finding a mentor, someone outside of the company and someone who is not within your field because you get a completely different perspective and it helps you to see those, those business acumen uh, concepts and things like that, that Rose was talking about, that can really help open up opportunities for yourself and really discern which skills it is that you need. Definitely learning professionals need to be able to speak the language of the business. And so that business acumen piece is really going to be key moving forward to gain alignment, to have more productive conversations, be able to have those discussions, as Rose mentioned, uh, mentioned about um, discussing um, the data in the metrics. And so um, all of that is definitely going to be necessary. Well, before we wrap up today, are there any other key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with? A few things that that I would also suggest as you're doing skills mapping within your organization, make sure that you define the skills. If you use a word, someone else is going to have a different definition of that word. And so really bringing together and digging deep and challenging people on what they mean by certain words and certain behaviors and skills is really going to help open up. It does take a long time. It's not an easy process, but that is really what is going to help make you successful and making sure that those definitions are there for people to look at and also for the the people who are going to be assessing those skills if you have an assessment as part of that. The only other, I guess, area that I would reiterate, I know we talked about it, but it's really making sure that you get that buy-in from the top because that is going to help you in really making sure that it becomes part of your organizational language and being able to incorporate it into all of the other aspects of your people services and people leadership. At our organization, we tell everyone that everyone is a leader. And so what does it mean to lead yourself and what does it mean to lead others? and organizations. So we use that model and talk about everybody being a leader. And that way we're empowering everyone to put that into their own hands. And coming from from the leadership at the top is really what helped to launch our program. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you can do anything without you know visible and active leadership. And you're right. I, I totally, totally get that, Lisa. I, I think the two things that I would talk about, one is I see a lot of people, a lot of companies use skills mapping almost as a a, 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 like a photographic tool or an assessment tool, right? I, we're going to do a report card on what we know how to do and like, have we passed fifth grade, you know? Um, and I actually think given sort of these mindsets that we're trying to move towards, it's much more effective if it becomes an exercise more in mapping for potential rather than an existing skills. 
So if the exercise becomes a, a discussion about how do we grow as an organization, so it starts with the vision. What are the skills that we need for the vision? What are the skills you now need in your job to get there? And then you do the actual, let's say, mapping. And so where are you? How do you move to there? I think you change the type of conversation that you have. So it, it, it becomes, you know, what you were saying earlier, Michelle, about, you know, motivational and inspirational rather than, um, I mean, I don't think organizations deliberately try to do that, but it sometimes feels like, you know, I'm being evaluated. I'm going to get a report card and I'll either fall short or I'll be one of the lucky ones who don't, you know, and that's not what anybody means. The second thing is I want to go back to what Lisa said about leadership. And I think at all levels, this issue of modeling is really important because when you're talking about skill, you're talking about growth, right? I'm here today and that's fine, but I want to grow and it's good to grow. And it's I as a leader, whether I'm the CEO or whether I'm, you know, the regional manager or whether I'm the office manager, here are the areas that I'm going to grow. So that communications of this is my journey too. This is all of our journey. If this is where we want the company to be, do we all agree that we all need to grow? I think that modeling makes a huge, that again, visible, committed, consistent modeling of that makes a big difference. Having that growth mindset within your culture yeah, really important. Agree. Yes. And how can our listeners get in touch with you both after the episode if they'd like to reach out? My email address is lpaulson at Nesna Ventures, and that's N-E-S-N-A-H Ventures.com. So I'm also on LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think LinkedIn is the easiest way to the get easiest. a hold of me. Yeah. Um, but I also have a website, rosecartellari.com, um, and there's a uh, contact me there as well. Learn more about skills mapping. Visit the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.